So today I want to talk about the game. The game. Not hockey. The beautiful game. When Canada made it to the World Cup, I was a pretty happy guy. And then I saw what group they were placed in, and I thought to myself, we'll be lucky to get a goal. They got two. First two goals in World Cup history for Canada, only our second time there. When we were playing Croatia, people in Bolivia were cheering for Canada. There was probably more people cheering for Canada in Bolivia than in Canada. (laughs) And of course, we were last in the group stage. It was very dark, very, very discouraging. But then something started to happen. Croatia went one way, Morocco went the other, and they both started to work their way through. And now here we are. The top two teams in our group are in the semifinals, And you want to know the only team to book a goal against Morocco? Canada. We'll ignore it was an own goal, but it counts. (laughs) Counts. Things are starting to look a little lighter. Maybe we weren't quite as bad as we originally thought. Maybe we were actually in the group of death. Right? Now, I am sad the Netherlands didn't make it through, so Jane, Jane, I remember sitting in Bolivia watching Spain and the Netherlands play in the first game of the World Cup, and it was exciting because I was there with a bunch of Bolivians. We were the only Caucasians, and when the Netherlands would score, we would cheer, and when Spain, well, Spain never scored, so they never cheered. It's a great day, and the more we cheered, the more they glared at us in a very friendly way. But was this like darkness to light, right? Things start to pick up and you start to say, okay, maybe things aren't quite as bad. That's Advent. See, Advent, we we look at the darkness of the world and we start to see what Jesus has done as he brings light in. Brings light into our moments. He brings light into our, our thoughts, our hearts, into our relationships, and all of the possibilities of of restoration and reconciliation are held in this Christ child who came into a world that was dark. Last week, I talked about the violence in Bolivia and and how the, the zealots had brought violence into the political situation, and this was the world into which Jesus was born. But through his life, death, and resurrection, he brings with him an everlasting peace. I was in Bolivia, or sorry, in the Philippines, when Rodrigo Duterte came to power in the presidency, and He's nicknamed the Punisher, and he is really a person who likes law and order. And so he was the mayor of Davao City in the south, and he eliminated all drug addiction in Davao City. And he did that through something called EJK, Extra Judicial 
killing. And when he came to power, he brought EJK to the entire country, and we're not sure, but somewhere between 12 and 30,000 people lost their lives over the course of his presidency. We were one day visiting an addiction treatment center, and all the addiction treatment centers had exploded in population because these were very, very afraid people. And I looked in the eyes of the young men who had just arrived, and there was despair in their eyes. They were absolutely terrified. But then I looked in the eyes of those who had been in the center for one week, two weeks, five weeks, two months, three months, and you could see as you went through and looked at the various stages that people were in, just that light of hope beginning to form. And God was using EJK, and make no mistake, it is profoundly, profoundly broken. That God took that and twisted it And in the lives of these young men, turned it into something good. Jesus was born into this same kind of despair. I mentioned last week, Marina McCoy talks about Advent as a time of waiting. But she goes further. She says, Advent is a time we wait in a special way. You see, we don't just wait with our feet up, hanging around, going, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Advent is an expectant waiting. You see, what I started to notice in these young men in the treatment center is after they'd been there a week or two, got to know the other people who had been through their own journey, you could see an expectation beginning to form in their minds that was reflected in their countenance. That hope wasn't this blind hope. It wasn't this, oh, it's going to happen, a vain effort to try to get well. It was a hope rooted in the lives of those that had gone before them. They could see that healing and transformation and freedom was readily available, and it was all right there for the taking. And it was free. You see, we wait in Advent with an expectancy because we are given such freedom in Jesus Christ. Martin Luther says, everything that is done in this world is done by hope. That's what we see in the eyes of these young people. So in addiction, you get discouragement, despair, and they're leached of hope. And then Jesus comes in, and their lives are completely turned around. When Jesus was born, Herod the Great was in power. And there's a man who created a ton of despair. We know the story of how in his jealous rage he, he genocided all the two-year-old boys and younger in Bethlehem. His violence poured out on this community. 
But it goes deeper than that. He, he, he brought despair into his own family. He had ten wives. He pitted his wives against one another. He even got so jealous that he, he, he killed his favorite wife and her offspring out of fear that they were going to rise up and take his power. He was in constant conflict with Rome. And he was participating in the stealing of land and, and creating a marginalized group of landless poor as their king. And the land is so important to the Jewish people. Breaking every promise that God had made, creating this immense amount of despair. This is the world into which Jesus was born. Herod's rule marked increasing instability nationally and personally. I sometimes think we're seeing that a little bit in our time as we become maybe a little bit aware, increasingly aware, the promise of progress isn't quite panning out the way we hoped it would. See, our hope is not rooted in the world. The world will always disappoint us. The world will always leave us discouraged, disillusioned. It's Jesus that's the foundation on which hope can be built. So where Herod served to oppress the people, Jesus came to bring about a restoration. I see this lived out in the events shortly after Christ's resurrection. Now I want to point out this Advent series. I'm not once going to talk about the birth. I've landed us right in the middle of the events of the cross. Because I said last week, and I mean it with everything in my heart, the birth means nothing without the cross. The cross means nothing without the birth. Our hope, the peace, the joy, and the love is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ in His defeat of death. Shortly after His resurrection, you know the story. Two of His disciples are walking to the town of Emmaus and they are discouraged. They're on on the verge of despair. And I can imagine it's it's not just that their hopes were resting in the Messiah. Again, this political solution to their problem that Rome had so brutally snuffed out. I suspect there was some despair and maybe even a little bit of fear mingling with that. Were they going to be sought out? Were the disciples of Jesus, those who were known collaborators, what did they face? They're walking along. Seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked, discussing these things, Jesus Himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing Him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face. Jesus does something profound. 
he begins to plant the seed of hope. And he does so by unpacking the Scriptures. And he goes through from the beginning to the end and shows how the Christ was called to do something profoundly different than what their expectations were. They get to their house. They invite Jesus in because they were good Jews. So hospitality was important. And then Jesus suddenly does something profound. One could even say a little bit rude. He takes the bread. He's the guest. He's not the master. He breaks the bread and he starts to pray for it. I can imagine that might have even been a little bit of off-putting. Imagine you inviting me to your house. And I get up and start serving the meal and I sit you down. I say, okay, we're going to pray for the meal right now. You might be a little bit off-put by that. Maybe even a little bit offended. I promise I won't do that to you. But you see, Jesus is not me. Jesus is the Master. He breaks the bread. And at that moment, their eyes are suddenly opened and they recognize Him. And then He disappears. Oh, And they look at one another and they say, didn't our hearts burn within us as He talked to us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts burn? In the midst of a world, in the midst of a moment, in the midst of a season of deep, deep despair and discouragement, Jesus not only comes in and points to hope, He brings a fire within us that burns within our hearts. So you see, there is no darkness that Jesus can't penetrate. There's no situation that His light can't illuminate and bring hope into. So whatever your story is, whatever journey you're on, whomever you're walking with, whatever your Emmaus story is, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ can shine light into the middle of it and bring hope back to moments of fear, despair, discouragement, anxiety, depression, all of that is possible. And in this moment of grief, Jesus brings the Word. So last week we learned that Jesus brought peace and He sent the Spirit to remind us. And hope is rooted in Scripture. And this calls us to believe, to not slip into a fog, and to get lost in our disappointment and our despair. The Emmaus journey, this conversation, underscores a most important point. The traumatic events surrounding Jesus are all part of God's plan for deliverance. And what they have seen and what we have seen, it's not the end of hope, but it's the beginning. So no matter where we are, like these two disciples who felt like the cross crushed everything, 
only Jesus Himself appearing to them in this restored existence can change their minds. It's Jesus Christ with the foundation of His Word that can restore in us this resurrection hope. You see, they knew the facts of Scripture. They knew the facts of the Gospel. But they hadn't yet recognized the face of the Gospel. And here's the most important nugget today. we got to move it from here to here. We can know the truth. And we constantly need to be reminded, I don't want to sound like a pastor and tell you to read your Bible, but I'm a pastor, so read your Bible. But we don't read our Bible because it's an obligation. We read our Bible because it plants the good seed in us that can grow as it's watered through life. But it's not enough just to know the truth. Because we can know the facts of Scripture. But see, the call through Advent is for us to come face to face with the truth personified in Jesus Christ. Hope comes when we know the face of the Gospel. Their problem wasn't intellectual. They knew but they couldn't see. So their problem, their challenge was spiritual. And Jesus came into that and brought them freedom and brought them hope. Sometimes our faith can be rooted in personal experience. And if our personal experience is going through a season that is challenging, it can tip our attention away from that face, that beautiful beautiful face. And this is where I think Scripture comes in. It points us back to Jesus. It roots our faith in a truth that maybe we can't recognize intellectually. But when we embrace it, when we just trust it, it chips away at the darkness. Light shines in. And begins to push that darkness away. Their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. Jesus opens our eyes so that we can see. Can you imagine the look on their faces? Jesus disappears. But yet He remained in this profound way. So we wait. And some of us wait with discouragement. Some of us have had profound things happen to us this last year. Certainly over the last three years, as a society, we've had profound things happen to us. And I'm not here to minimize that or diminish that. You know me well enough to know that I take this seriously. I'm not saying get over it and get to God. We have got to grieve and we have got to mourn. And we can rush that process. We can too quickly say we just got to grab hold of Jesus and smile. And that's okay. 
But we also need to grieve because if we do not grieve, if we do not work through those things that have been deeply discouraging and disappointing, it has the tendency to snap back on us. See, grief will come when it wants to, stay as long as it wants to, and impact you in whatever way, shape, or form it feels like. There is no amount of grief that Jesus can't shine light into. There's no amount of despair, discouragement, disillusionment, disorientation that Jesus can't bring hope into. And so like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we can allow these events to obscure the deeper truth. But if we wait with an expectant wait, and not grasp and clamor for safety and security in the way the world would call us to, but actually rest in the knowledge that it's all going to be okay. And let that light shine in. Because Jesus invites us to believe in Him. To find hope in Him. That's our reality. So how do we live this story? And T. Wright says that Lenten reflection is an interesting dynamic in the way the author wrote it. See, Luke doesn't tell us who the second person is. And so N.T. Wright invites us to place ourselves in the position of that second person. So you can imagine yourself, and I encourage you to do that right now. Imagine your the nameless person on the road to Emmaus. What is the thing that has disappointed you? What is happening this Christmas that is overwhelming you? What is it that you need Jesus to unpack for you so that you can see His face? So you're walking home late that day Things don't make sense. The dust is on your feet. It's a dry day, so it's kicking it, and you're feeling a little bit choked. It has not gone the way you hoped it would. And then a stranger comes in beside you and asks you, What's up? How's it going? What's going on? And you say, where have you been? Don't you know that we've had three years of COVID? That we've lost friends and family? We have disruption and disorientation and we can't agree with one another? Don't you know that interest rates are spiking? My mortgage is expensive. My job is under threat. My wife and I aren't speaking to each other. We are. We are. That's just a metaphor. Last week I was forgiven, so. (laughs) Do you not know? Who are you? Where have you been? Suddenly the stranger starts to unpack for you the story of hope, the story of profound grace, the story that says, 
this isn't all there is. Yes, the cross happened. Yes, nails were driven into the hands of Jesus in front of His mother. Can you imagine? Kevin talked about how profound Mary was at the beginning of her journey. I can't even imagine the excruciating despair she must have felt watching her son hang from the cross that day. And on the third day, boom. What's your third day need? What do you need Jesus to bring light into? What is happening in your life, in your world, in your workplace and family, your community? What is it you need Him to show you so that you can once again experience hope? God's Word reorients us. It brings us into the deeper things the unseen things, the things the world cannot give. In fact, the world outright denies it. As we walk the road to Emmaus, we too can bear our despair to Jesus. We can be honest with Him about what it is we're experiencing. And we can be reminded again that Advent waiting is an invitation to live with an expectation that we can see the face of the Gospel. As I speak with people, I hear so much sense of loss and discouragement. I also see these moments of hope. Last Easter sermon, I talked about being on a journey that we were pilgrims. It's a great sermon. You should go back and hear it. If we pick up on the theme of this, we're all on a journey. We're all moving away from some things and toward other things. Jesus met the disciples that day on their journey at a time they were moving away. They were moving away from truth. They were moving away from hope. And this is the human condition to always be on the move. Advent is an invitation to move toward truth. To move toward hope. And away from fear, disillusionment, disappointment. These are disorienting emotions. But Jesus can bring light into the midst of anything. Advent waiting is about reorienting our hope and moving it from the world to the One and finding rest in Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for all of us this morning. That you would imagine yourself on that road you would imagine yourself at that table. That you would imagine Jesus in front of you breaking the bread and lifting it up to God in prayer. 
I encourage you to imagine yourself having your eyes opened and seeing the face of the Gospel right in front of you. And it's my prayer that each and every one of you would walk away from this place today and look at one another and say, aren't our hearts burning? Lord, I pray that You would bring us that hope that is audacious. That Lord, You would light our hearts afire. That we would become a contagious source of Your hope in this community. To one another, to our neighbors, our family, to strangers. That Lord, we would live as ones who reflect Your face into a world that is so increasingly losing hope. Lord, I pray that this Advent season You would guide us to Your truth. Lord, thank You for giving us Your Spirit. Thank You for giving us Your Word. I ask, Lord, You would draw us to what You want us to see and that Your Spirit would remind us of what we need to know so that we can move from the facts of the Gospel to knowing You with a deep, deep intimacy, even in the darkest of places. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray that You would shine Your light in today and that we would experience a profound and gracious hope. Father, we ask this in the, in the name of Your Son. Amen.